All right. Hey, Natasha. Hey, hey, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, ready for another episode of Side Order of Empathy. I'm hungry, too. My stomach may growl during our conversation. <laughs> just need more empathy on your plate. Maybe That's so. All. Just, just empathy. I mean, just be careful with the knife and the fork. Okay. It hurts. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Cheesy jokes. Um, wow. What a way to start a podcast. Hey, what are we talking about today? All right. So let's talk about... Um, the topic we were we were selecting earlier, which is that this concept of the secret rule book, right? So when you come into an organization or when you come into any sort of group, there's norms that have already been established before you're there, right? That's that's true of any group. Right? Yeah. But sometimes I've at least I've experienced in corporations where you come in and um, and there, there is, there's this secret set of rules that either are social or cultural norms, or they are expectations from a job level, I guess, like managers um, or executive managers, where they expect certain things, but they either have this, I don't know, it's either a sense that they shouldn't tell you what the rules are because you should just know and if you don't know yeah. it's like kind of like if you have to ask what the price of the vehicle is then you, you can't, can't afford, afford it. it right and so if you if you have to ask then you don't know and you haven't learned it yet right that is interesting yeah and i think maybe that's the notion of what creates the sense of belonging for the people who do know yes. and it signals the breaking in period for the newcomers yes and it's kind of like wonder, earning your stripes kind of thing it is and i wonder how yeah. often the sense of the newcomers have earned their stripes, and then do they turn around a year later for the other newcomers and reinforce those hidden and secret rules and norms rather yeah. than helping guide people along the path. So, so let's let's first. I want to scope it in just a little bit more, and then I want to I want to actually do a little bit of Q and A with you, yeah. um, where I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. Where I I want to I want to get your um, kind of change management like big. Um, enterprise level change management experience on what does this do to an organization and its effectiveness. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So scoping it in, um, I'm really thinking about when, when new managers or people who are uh, professional level, right. And they know stuff about their craft, but they're trying to advance, right. They're either trying to just do better at their craft and get more like visibility for the work they do, or they're literally trying to climb the job ladder. Yeah. Right? And they just don't know, like, what, how do I break in? Like, <laughs> is it just knowing the right people? Is that really all this is? Right? Or is there something else going on? And I don't want to sell my soul on the way to get there. I want to be true to, to what I, to what I do. Exactly. So, so tell me, like, with your experience with working with large enterprises, when they when they take on some big change, when you have this new group of people come in or a small group, what does it do to, let's just start with effectiveness, right? With achieving goals. What yeah. does that do to an organization if there's this kind of like unknown secret rule book that people have to learn first? I'm thinking that a lot of these concepts that we're talking about have the paradox where on the one hand there is clear benefit to the organization, but on the other hand when it goes too far it can become a derailer or something that inhibits the ability of the organization to thrive. So thinking about, okay, what are the implications of having a lot of hidden rules or norms? On the plus side, 
for those of us who get the rules, it creates an incredible sense of belonging and knowing that you're part of a tribe Mm -hmm. and that you're on the inside of something. And that helps us feel much more deeply connected and fully invested in every aspect of what it means to work there. The hidden language that we have, the, um, the norms maybe around how you get things done, how decisions get pushed forward, even simple things around how do you request to uh, meet with someone to you know book time on their calendar, right? right? That stuff feels kind yeah. of secret when you're new because yeah. you just don't know. Should I set up a meeting? Can this just be a phone call? Yeah. Do I have to go through their admin? Do I like warm the person up with an email first? Yes. Do I need to ask my boss for permission because that person like is on the reporting chain? Yeah. All of that stuff, once you know it, you just feel, hey, I know how this place works, and you feel a sense of belonging. All right, so if that's how you get into the basement, the, the downsides of it, um, what might, or if those are the advantages, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you want to turn it around and say, how do I learn my way out of this? How do I turn it into an accelerator? I'm thinking about organizations that seek to be learning organizations high-performing organizations that don't want to be mired in tribal knowledge, Mm -hmm. but have easy access to content and information and know where to go to get the answers to things. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a lot of uh, tribal knowledge that's hidden in your secret norms book, and a new person comes in, it's going to take them a long time to be able to break in. And um, as people move around in the organization... Because each group has its own microculture, its own little flavor of the hidden mm-hmm. secret rule book. Um, it's going to be difficult to be a learning organization because your tribal knowledge is slowing you down. I get the sense, too, that uh, that you make it people turned off pretty quickly. Like, yeah, this place is not what I thought it was going to be. Like, there's yeah. all these people kind of like colluding against me because I'm not in the in crowd. I think I've definitely felt like that in organizations before yeah. where as I hear more of the um, the norms and the hidden rules and the secret conversations, I think, I feel like I'm on the outside. Yeah. Why do I even want to break in? I'd rather yeah. not. You start to kind of like demonize people and not see them as human anymore. It, it's kind of like you, you, you almost become disassociative. That's right. And when... In our podcast, right, we're talking yeah. about the side order of empathy. There's not a lot of, of benefit to help having people feel like they're on the outside and they don't want to break in. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's very ineffective. And we know that like when, when organizations can't communicate with themselves then then it's like things just break down really fast. Yeah. So so why can't you just dump all this like this secret knowledge on like say a wiki or something and just say hey newbies read read these thousand pages of a wiki. I just kind of gave it away but Oh, yeah, okay. You know, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> it, like why why wouldn't that work? I think in some ways having resources for knowledge management and sharing things is a good start. Sure. And I'll share a large organization that I used to work for had a very uh, huge investment in knowledge management and Mm -hmm. in our intranet um, employee directory. And one of the features of your employee profile is I'm an expert on. 
dot, oh, dot, yeah, dot. those are nice. And so then yeah. you could say, I'm an expert on, and just list either the functions or the areas of interest. And then in different ways, when the content is served up and your name's associated with it, or mm -hmm. maybe content is served up and you don't know who to look for, you sure. could find who's an expert on this. Yeah. So putting a bunch of stuff out there may not be the answer, but if you have a place to put things and a way to organize it and a way to indicate who's an expert, that opens the door for the human conversation to say, yeah. oh, if Natasha's an expert on, insert, you know, topics that I'm interested in, now that's an invitation for people to reach out yes. and feel connected. And so now you have the sense of belonging and all of the good stuff that we talked about. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're saying it's like, uh, it, oh, imagine that. It's like an ecosystem of stuff that has to all come together and that we can't forget that these are people we're dealing with. How beautiful is that? Right? I mean, these aren't like machines that you can just put information into. They're, these are people. Yeah. And so cre I love the idea of like creating the expert so there's knowledge out there, but there's also people to turn to. And I think creating like almost, I wouldn't want to think of it like a quota system, but thinking it like a, like a way of reinforcing the behavior to be helpful. That, that's just part of the culture. Like if, if you're an expert, then you're expected to help. That, that was definitely, I think, the intent behind putting it together for this organization that I used to work for. Mm -hmm. um, that when you name yourself as an expert... You're inviting people to ask you for insight, and you'll make yourself available for that. Yeah, yeah, and then you almost you, you kind of get a little bit of recognition for, like you know, helping. Of course, it always feels yeah. good to share Definitely. your knowledge in Definitely. the give and take economy that we work in. So um, I've experienced definitely definite moments where it was really unclear, like why why some people who seem to be doing the same things that I was doing. Um, were either getting ahead or getting like like you know extra praise or something, um, and not understanding like well, what do I need to do? Is it just like a matter of like knowing somebody? Like do I just have to know the right people and I don't know go to dinner and drinks with those right people or something? <laughs> like is is it is it just that? And oh how awful, <laughs> right? That that it's so unwork related and. Surely, there's a component of, of um, building social connections with yeah. people at work. A absolutely, right? Um, but I think it's, it's when you get into like recognizing those moments where, uh, or those interactions with people where you just may have a different worldview, right? And that that's the secret language. Um, George Lakoff talks a lot about this, the author George Lakoff. Um, he's a linguist. Uh, oh, as well. interesting. He talks a whole lot about how language itself um, is an expression then, and I'm totally not quoting him right now, I'm just trying to paraphrase what I've gleaned. Uh, he, he's got tomes of knowledge out there, and, and it's a lot of scientific uh, study. But it, he gets into like this idea of Language being this expression of how people view the world. Oh, right? yeah, right? It's, yeah. It is your mental construct. It's exactly. It's socially constructed, and it creates the constraints around which you kind of, like, see the world. Exactly. It's all revealed in your language. And so what the difficulty with that is that the words mean different things to different people. Oh. So you could use a word like the correct way, the right way, 
the right people, the good people, right? These are kind of like phrases. They mean completely different things to different people. Oh, yes. And so they can use them to each other. And then that creates almost like tribal secret languages that, you know, like people say, you know, and it happens that I don't want to take this podcast into a political slant at all. So I'm going to avoid that. But I'm going to Okay, say, we're not going there. If you watch politics, <laughs> right, just objectively for like, how is this information being conveyed, right? Not whether or not you agree with it. I'm just how is it being spoken about, right? You can see what happens because it's, it's one of the most obvious examples, right? Where candidates and people in political positions will use language, right? Mm -hmm. In a very specific way because they know those words connect with the audience that they're trying to speak to. Of course. You wouldn't be doing a very good job if you didn't leverage exactly. language to, you know, identify what you stand for and exactly. to mobilize the people that you want to be appealing to. So, I mean, the one, the one that comes to mind, and uh, I'm going back a long time here, but, you know, a while now, uh, in the, the Bush uh, um, W, the first, in the first uh, election uh, that he went through before he was president, um, he kept talking about um, the, the good people and the bad guys. The good people <laughs> and the bad guys, right? And he'd go back and forth between those two things. But he wasn't, he, he was addressing um, a, an audience, even though he's talking to everybody, right? He's only really addressing a certain segment of the everybody. Yes. Everybody else is going, I have no idea what he's talking about. What is he talking about? Isn't that interesting? Right? And we'll get off the politics now, but I have yeah. one other example yeah, yeah. that I want to share. And I'll have to, maybe we can add this to the notes later so they can do my homework. But there was this interesting content analysis that was done from a language perspective that showed how new words were introduced for the first time with each presidency. Oh, and yes. And it was a beautiful visual yeah. layout that identified the introduction of these new oh, words that's that so showed much fun. up in the State of the Union. And um, it was remarkably interesting. So that, we'll have to dig that out and put that in the notes. We'll have to make sure we put normalcy in there. Because <laughs> that's like, it's like, that's everywhere now. Like, well, we'll get back to a state of normalcy. That's not even a word. But but then that, oh, okay, that's a whole other podcast. That's not even like us. All like, right, this Hashtag idea for a new podcast. We do that every single time and I love it. Yes. So I want to go back, though, to the concept around the, um, the secret rule book and cracking the code and yeah. how one of the points in time when it's so important is when you're a newcomer in the organization. Yes. So let me pose a question to you. Okay. What are um, maybe times that you've been a newcomer and you were able to quickly come up to speed on the mm. secret mm -hmm. uh, rule book. And what are times when you were a newcomer and it was more difficult than it needed to be? And what made the difference? Um, I think when you're in an organization where there are, uh, there, there's a willingness, right, to have um, different opinions, right, about things. And if you get somebody to just give you a couple of clues, right? And it may mean that you have to find somebody there that, uh, that is close enough to your point, that your worldview or cut from the same cloth as they may say, yes. right? Oh gosh, phrases that mean things, right? <laughs> to different people. Um, but finding those people and then just approaching them saying, look, I, you know, don't, don't come in with like the whole, like, I teach me about everything. Take me under your wing, right? More just like, hey, I, I'm just trying to understand like, like the norms here, right? What makes it overly difficult 
is if that approach is not right, right, they may perceive it. And I've had this happen to me of, you don't even know how to do your job. Yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Where I asked somebody like, ah, uh, what is all this? I was, I was doing code at the time. What does all this code mean? And they're like, um, well, those are HTML tags. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, that's not I what have I meant. The functional expertise. <laughs> yes. I'm trying to understand what's unique to how we do things here. Exactly. Like, well, it's connected to stuff that I can't see. So, what is the stuff that I can't see? Like, way back there, buried. What does it do? Right. Oh, that's what you're asking. So, just be careful in the way you ask. Right. And every situation is different, so I can't like prescript that. Right. But just it, you know. Be cognizant of the fact that someone's probably, if they're, if you recognize a situation where there's secret language, they're probably going to assume that, uh, that you don't know. Yeah. Right. And that any question could be perceived as, oh, you just don't know. And you get the little pat on the head. Mm-hmm. Right. No, 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 no. I'm not an idiot. Right. I know that there's another language here <laughs> and I need to learn. a legitimate question. <laughs> exactly. So getting past that. And then usually when, if you can get past that with a little bit of empathy of like, look, you know what's going on here. You know the time of day, right? I'm, I know what I'm doing in the field, but just help me understand this. Like, how do I connect to this? And then I want to get out of your way and I don't want to keep asking you about the same thing. Yeah. Right. And just be careful about overusing that, you know, relationship. I think you, uh, you tend to find people pretty quickly who are really, really willing to help. Um, and that starts to crack it open. Then, then if there's a willingness to think differently, then you can use the, the handful of tools you have of like, well, I know how that works. I know mm-hmm. how to schedule meetings. And I know, you know, those things then you can use as your, as your tiny but mighty uh, set of, um, of tools to crack open the rest of it. And you can challenge some things now and then because you have some successes. Um, and you might get some allies who say, well, wait, it's not fair. Matt doesn't know what this is, guys. We're not talking about something he's aware of. we got to clue him in. Yeah, so right? someone that can uh, run interference or be the, the translator. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't come directly valuable. at that asking somebody to do that, right? In like, hey, can you be my translator in this meeting? I wouldn't do that, right? You want, you want that to kind of happen organically, like where they respect you and they see you, which has the, the double benefit of like now you've also built some political capital. Yeah, right. I like that. Now, times that it's, I guess they kind of answered both. Kind of times it went well and times it went yeah, bad. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's so. cool. So it might be time to think about wrapping up. I want to yeah. summarize some of the stuff for sure that I've heard and put it into some what you can do now. Yeah, language, yeah. Right? So if you're a newcomer, it seems like one of the things that you can do is explicitly ask, how do things work here mm-hmm. so that you avoid the risk of having all of your expertise questioned by asking questions that are too vague. Exactly. Yeah. Just be careful with, with how you phrase it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also for folks that are embedded in the organization and they already know the secret rule book, one of the ways that they can demonstrate their empathy is to give other people insight into how things work. So whether it's signing mm-hmm. up to be an expert on this topic and being open to questions and, and helping folks or being the person in a meeting that provides some translation yeah. for the language that's locally used or yeah. helping to explain how you do get on someone's calendar, whether you run it by the admin or just mm-hmm. you know, cold call folks. Um, that's a way to demonstrate your empathy to help others. 
What else did you hear us talk about that's worth recapping? And I, and I would say for anyone who leads an organization, be wary of secret language becoming too much. Right? It's okay to have common language, I think, where you, where you can quickly talk in acronyms and terms and that kind of stuff. But just be wary of it getting too far. Yeah, the difference between being efficient yes. and speaking quickly because we have a common language yeah. compared to creating inclusive and exclusive dynamics, dynamics yes. where someone might feel like they're on the outside. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, our leaders owe that to us. That's great. Yeah, that's it. That's what I got. Hey, I love it. Thanks for talking with us today. Yeah, likewise. This was awesome. side of empathy related to the secret rule book. Yes, this was this was really good. So you can catch this podcast uh, again at our website at sideorderofempathy.com and we hope to see you there. Uh, we'll see you on future episodes. Bye. Thanks.